we ended the year at 900K in ARR. Um, and so the last thing I see in profit well is March. Yeah, we started January at 77. So to be at 140, we'll definitely cross over like a 200% growth this year. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We've got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Folks, exciting interview today. My guest is Josh Frazier. He's building a company called eStated.com. It's a property intelligence tool. Josh, you ready to take us to the top? Let's go. All right. There's a lot of money out there right now, and everyone's wanting to buy houses, investors included. Who, who is using you guys? Is it investors or home buyers, consumers directly? Actually, our bigger segments are in fintech and insurtech. So we're working with like Blend and SoFi and State Farm and Swiss Re and USAA and companies along those lines on more like the PNC insurance side and getting lending and mortgages and just trying to speed up all those tools because like talking to a friend in Florida yesterday, it took them 16 hours to get a mortgage. It's like, Mm -hmm. we should be able to do this in 60 seconds. And so we're helping with a lot of the data on the background um, to build like profiles around those houses for mostly insurance and um, yeah, lending. And so how many customers like that do you have? We have a 151 customers as of today. Amazing. Okay, got it. So this makes sense. And the main model is license. It's basically a licensing model. Is it SaaS fee or is it like per API call or something? So we have two models. We have a data licensing, which is annual contracts, um, and we update it monthly. So we can still consider it a subscription and profit well. And then as well, we have yeah, per, like a volume based subscription for the API. Interesting. And so uh, how many API? I guess maybe this is the right question. How many API calls hit the system last month? <laughs> Josh was just telling me before the call, guys, that he has all of his data open. And then I asked him a question. And it's like the one question that, that, that isn't in. <laughs> probably like six to seven million um, okay. uh, that were successful. So probably like 20 million, but there may have been inaccurate addresses sent through the system. And yeah. so um, that happens a lot if people don't clean their addresses, especially with user inputted ones. So like correct ones um, are probably in the six to 7 million range. Okay. Okay. And so these 151 customers, what are they paying on average per month? So the lifetime value in our profitable account, because I pulled this up for you, is $54,268 a year. Average revenue per user is $929 per month. And that's on a monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of scales out across the 151. Yep. Yep. So so you're doing about 140, 150,000 a month in revenue right now? 
exactly. We are 140 MRR with a 1.68 ARR. Yep. Yep. And how has that grown over time? Where were you last year? Do you remember? We ended the year at 900 K in ARR. Um, and so the last thing I see in profit is March. Yeah. We started January at 77. So to be at 140, we'll definitely cross over like a 200% growth this year. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. Um, where is most of that growth coming from? Is it upgrading the same customers to more API calls or adding new logos altogether? Adding new logos. Where are you finding them? Uh, I come from digital marketing, so I have pretty good Google AdWords presence. I think we have a little bit of thought leadership in the space as well, just with content. Um, but you know, Google AdWords and, and driving leads from there has been really successful for us. How much did you spend last month on Google ads? Would you guess? Uh, 20, 22 grand. Okay. So not, a, not, a, well, maybe a little bit. So it was a 15% of your total revenue. So 22 grand. And what will that get you? How many leads? Yeah, I have my scorecard thanks to SAS Academy here. Um, in June, we generated 415 leads. Okay, so my ad spend was actually 29,000. Okay. A um, little bit more. That so I was that was Google AdWords was probably 22. Across Facebook, LinkedIn, we're kind of experimenting a little bit with Bing as well. So 29 total, 415 leads, average cost per lead, 72 bucks, conversion rate on um, turning that into customers 2%. 2%. Yeah, we got eight okay. customers. Okay, got eight customers. And that's at that $900 a month price point, right? Correct. Okay, got it. So I mean, that I mean, that's a super healthy. I mean, can you spend more money there? That feels like healthy ad spend to me. Um, yes, but I only have one salesperson we're recruiting, we'll be hiring another one here right away. And then uh, we'll, we'll keep ramping that up. But we had uh, two salespeople turn over last month. So a little bit of a change. You know, this is always a tricky. This is one of the hard. You know, a lot of things. Engineering. I see more SaaS founders that getting the, like the sales motion with actual people involved, like the reps hired, onboarded, and sticky is really difficult. So, hundred percent. Sounds like you're comfortable being vulnerable. Why did those two people quit that that recently left? And how are you thinking about the next one? What are, what learnings are you taking to the next one? Yeah, this was a really good learning experience. So. Um, one quit because he was an entrepreneur on the side and his business got too busy. And I kind of motivated him to continue working on that. So almost my fault, but I'm proud of them. And then the second one was once, so I had this very experienced sales rep, Liam was in the middle, and then we had a junior sales rep. And so when the middle rep quit, the disparity between my senior sales rep and the junior sales rep was so vast that I fired this junior sales rep the next day. I was like, oh, I'm like, you're not going to be able to cut it. And so now I'm only going to hire someone from a competitor that has five to 10 years experience. And the words I've been using in the interviews have been, I need you to come in and hit the ground running. I think as a SaaS founder with, we have 12 employees, I don't have a lot of time for training. And so I want people to come in and know the language, know how to sell already. And so it, I call it I need them to hit the ground running. And so I'm really only looking at people directly from my competitors. And we're using a recruiter to help us with that. Interesting. What do you pay a recruiter to do this sort of thing? Um, about 20% of the salary. And on a, an SDR, they don't even include the commission or OTE. It's on base, which was really surprising to me. And we found a company called LMRE Tech, but they're specifically a prop tech recruiting firm. And so it's been fantastic. The resumes that they're sending us are just amazing. I'm very, very happy. Interesting. Um, how do you spell that? Elamari? It's just L, like the letters, like an acronym. L-M-R-E. I think it's dot tech. 
and they oh, only recruit for prop tech firms. And it's a global company too. So that's been interesting. Us being in Canada, they find us candidates in Canada, the US, um, even over in the UK. So it's been, uh, it's, it's unique. Company. I've never seen something like this niche. That's incredible. I, this is like a perfect fit for you guys. Um, interesting. It's blown, blown me away so far, the people that they've sent to it. A little bit more expensive than I would hope. I think I'm just Canadian in British Columbia getting used to what someone gets paid in New York. And yeah. It's always a little surprising to me. Yeah. So what do you think, like this new hire, what do you think their base will be and what will their, their quota target be and what will their total on-target earnings be? Yeah. So we are, I have no cap. Their quotas are 1.2 million a year and we pay 10%. Um, so they're, if they achieve that 1.2 million, on a fifty to sixty thousand dollar base, they could make up to one eighty. Got it. One eighty. One fifty to one eighty, depending, because we pay out on the schedule of how they sign up. So if it's like month to month subscriptions versus annual subscriptions, there's a bunch of variability in that. But like one fifty is like OTE. Um, yeah. Hopefully, that makes a lot of sense. How do you manage like a developer who might hear this interview and hear that your new sales rep is going to make more than them, and they're going, "But I'm the one building the technology. Why don't I get paid more?" Hmm, that's a great question. We have our develop. I've never been asked that, first of all. Um, and we do have a lot of transparency within our company. People do know how much everyone else is making. Um, I'm not even sure the developers all understand what the OTE number is. They probably yeah. just see the base. <laughs> you know, like I'm not sure that that acronym makes a lot of sense. And so, but I do think that they understand that the, the salespeople are the ones they hustle, they hustle at a different pace and have a different like type of work environment. Whereas the engineers are all, it's pretty cushy, you know, they get tasks, they, they get them done. I know they work hard, but it's a little bit just of a different environment to work in. Their environment's a lot more comfortable. Our salespeople yeah. are grinding. How many engineers do you have? Uh, seven right now. Are they all in-house or did you leverage sort of outsource dev team? Uh, there are full-time employees, but we went work from home, um, COVID, and then we have decided to go fully remote. So now we have uh, one in Russia, one in um, Germany, one in Brazil, and then four in British Columbia. How'd you find them? Um, another recruiting firm out of Vancouver, and both of them had experience working with the state's data, which was crazy to me. Um, but that's a company called VanHack, and they're like an, an engineering recruitment firm that help people globally immigrate to Canada. And so um, it's a really cool company. I uh, met Ilya a few years ago. 20% so, model there too? Yeah. Hmm. And they actually, one of the cool things is that we just pay VanHack for those employees and then they immigrate them within the first 12 months usually. And then we'll hire them full-time once they move to Canada. But so for the first year, we're actually just paying VanHack. They're not full-time employees. So we don't have to pay benefits or anything like that. So it's actually been, so far, it's been working out. Yeah, that's great. How do you spell VanHack? V-A-N-H-A-C-K. I, and I don't know if it's like .io or something or account. No, I'm not sure it. which one we'll it is. We'll put it in the notes on, on GitLab when we publish this bad boy. So what does this put your total team at today? 12 people, you said? Exactly. 12. Okay. Seven, so engineer, very engineering heavy. Got it. So this yeah, is interesting. two finance people, sales. Yeah. So a bit of a surprise for you today, and many of you know this, but some of you don't. There is a cheat code as a software startup to getting your finances right. And that cheat code is called Pilot. 
They do bookkeeping, tax, and give you financial expertise perfectly customized for every single founder. And it's not just automated. This is critical with accounting because sometimes we need custom stuff done, whether it's a round or an exit or a sale or just something else. So they put actual experts on your account. And I said, pilot team, please give us a great deal they have. You can check it out at nathanmaka.com forward slash pilot. They've got expertise in startups. You'll get your own personal expert. And specifically, they're giving a great discount to all of you guys that start working with them today. They integrate with the best financial tools in the business like Stripe, Square, Brex, Gusto, Bill.com, Shopify, you name it, they're there. And they give world-class support and advice. This is the kind of stuff that I use to get my monthly P&L balance sheet and cash flow statements done without hiring a full-time CFO on my team. I can get all this done for a fraction of the cost. Do it yourself at nathanlacka.com forward slash pilot. Start today. Put this on a timeline for us. When did you launch the company? State had started right after we entered Techstars in April of 2017. Okay, 20, and, and so we had no, it was bootstrapped and then Foundry came in because you kind of know we have an existing consumer business that's really, you know, cash flow positive and does well. What is that um, called? So Sorry. US Realty Records. That sits in the background. It's a B2C subscription. And so um, we launched a stated and we ran it for about eight months. And then Foundry Group and Techstars came in, gave us 3 million USD. We were then started burning cash 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, about three months ago, a stated turned to profit again. And um, now we have both business units profitable. And I don't think we'll probably go into the negative again anytime soon with no intention, at least within the next, I'd say, three to four quarters of raising more capital and no intention of it. Such a different way to run your business. Yeah. So that 3 million was raised back in 2017. Uh, we closed like December 15th of 2017, got the check, I think January, early January. 18. Interesting. And what cap was that at or what valuation? Uh, 15 million USD. How did you get to that? Like what did that feel fair at the time or? Um, no, it was an idea honestly, but we did have this existing business in the background that was doing about three and a half million a year. And I guess 3 million US at the time. So I think we just got like a 5X on that, but they were buying into both businesses, but I was pitching that estated was going to be the big one. And we have a very clear path to get to 10 million ARR. I think we could get to two and a half, three this year, if we keep this up. So um, that'll be a like 300% growth, which um, we'll be in a healthy position. There's a lot of founders that go into this where they they have like multiple projects running and like one starts to take off and you end up raising for it. And many times these VCs, like in the term sheets, it'll say you have to commit all, you know, the founder, especially you have to commit all your other IP and they'll want yeah. all these other things sort of included on the same cap table. Now, it sounds like that's exactly what you did with this business that was doing 3.5 million a year. Do you regret that today? Would you have tried to keep them separate if you did it again? Yes, for sure. Honestly, like, you know, when, if we were to go raise a series A, there's a pretty good chance that I would take it off the table instead of taking like cashing out a little bit of my founder stock or something at that raise. Um, I would probably just be like, I'll just take that business out because one, it's a little bit of a headache for us to do the reporting on to them. Um, and ultimately they know it's not the end goal for us. And so we've pitched the stated so hard. So I absolutely would recommend, um, if you can still raise at the same value though, because your VCs are smart. And they're like, oh, you have this cash flow business in the back? Like, of course yeah. we want a piece of that. Of and course. so, um, yeah, you're, you're going to work with VCs because of their network and their intelligence most of the time. So um, I, it would have been a harder pitch, but I absolutely would have tried it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, interesting. Okay, and so what does the cap table look like today? How much do you still own? What sixty eight percent, and then okay. um, I'd say about yeah ten percent is to my employees, and twenty percent we did this a standard twenty percent round uh, to the investors. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, cool. So, so, uh, about to be back to break even, which is obviously a great place to be. You're driving nice growth, uh, about 150, almost 200%, maybe 200% year over year growth by the end of this year. Do you remember though, we got 2020 numbers. Do you remember like what you're doing back in 2019 MRR wise? Oh, like nothing like 40, like we barely even had a product launch. We, we completely failed our product launch in 2019. It was, it was less than $300,000 in revenue the whole year. What happened? What happened? Why'd it fail? Getting a nationwide data set of property data and collecting it on your own is just a massive challenge that we underestimated. Um, the project scope, I still think the project scope was okay for our first um, attempt at it, but you know, we're competing with two pub, like Black Knight and CoreLogic and First American, multi-billion dollar companies that invest 50 plus million a year into this. And so we thought we could do it with three and we blew through that money real quick. And um, we had like 60% coverage, which just doesn't work in the data world. Um, we, it wasn't enough information. And so we ended up biting the bullet, buying and then reselling, which was like a really challenging decision for us. Um, Wait, say that again. You, you did what? We ended up pivoting at that point. And instead of doing this whole collection model, we purchased it from our competitors to some extent and then merged them all together and then started just doing better data quality. And then that's why I think Estate is starting to take off because we have this mixed model of we know how to collect the data. We just didn't have enough money to collect it all. And it's an expensive project. And so um, if I were to do it again, I just know that I probably would have like, you know, triple the cost and triple the time it takes. Yep. I used to like, sometimes people say double, but like, I'm like, the data triple it. Like data's messy. It's just disparate data siloed all over a certain geography can be really, really messy. So I triple pretty much everything in my head. And our customers happy now? Are they sticking? What's net dollar retention look like? Yeah. So it's a little over a hundred percent, like 101, um, which I was really, my friends at Bananatag got acquired for like 40 million, not that long ago. And that was like one of the most important metrics that he brought up to me that I think I didn't uh, fully understand um, until he mentioned that. So MRR retention rate, is 99.2% and customer retention rate is 98.6%. Um, yeah, that's monthly or annually. So that's like just my July metrics. Okay, got it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, it sounds like you probably have something like, you know, 5% annual churn, but 6% expansion. So it's a 101 net, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. We have pretty low churn rates. Like we're kind of hovering in that like one to 2%. If we're less than one, we're pretty happy. And we break it out for like customer and revenue, but it's usually like we're trying to keep it at 1% or mm-hmm. less. Uh, our customers are really happy. You know, we just started like gathering G2 reviews. We have, I think, 20 some now, and they're almost all five stars. Um, yep. Even the one that we got that was three stars all says nice things. And so um, no Don't one's you hate really. That? Someone's like, it's like two stars, it's like great product, beautiful, but like this one picks well. It's like that teacher that would never give out a hundred because they she didn't believe or he didn't believe in giving out a hundreds. Drives me crazy. Exactly what it is. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> like they say the nicest things and they give us like a three or two star review. Like, Why you but the, al- like, the algorithm, the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. All I care about is the algorithm. <laughs> so yeah, but I, you know what? Honestly, one of my favorite parts about this business is that our customers are happy and there's lots of cool companies. Like we're doing some pilot stuff with like 
Walmart and Lowe's and like really interesting projects. And I think that's what's exciting about it is like, I know we're just scratching the surface on making some of these services better. And, you know, when you're talking like Walmarts and Amazons and Googles, 1% improvement anywhere is huge. It's worth millions and millions of dollars to them every year. And so it's really fun working on these projects. All right, Josh, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Measure What Matters, John Dewar. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? A soft wand from Hippo. Yep. Uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a stated? Can I say Google Drive? Sure, of course, yeah. Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep are you getting? Seven. Okay, and situation, married, single, kids? Single. Okay, no kids running around? No kids running around. All right, Josh, how old are you? 30. 30 years old. Very cool. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Oh, God. Something you, I wished I knew when I was 20. Um, don't rush it. <laughs> it's going to take time. That overnight success is 10 years. You'll read about that overnight success. And when they say it took 10 years, they're telling you the truth. Guys, there you have it. East stated easy access to 150 million properties worldwide. Insurance companies pay for this like so far. They've got 151 customers. They're doing about $140,000 a month in revenue. That's doubled from a year ago, up from $70,000 uh, per month again back in 2020. They're doing this all with just, they've raised about $3 million bucks on a $15 million round back in 2017. But Josh and team cap table wise, Josh still on 68%, employees 10 and investors 20, but they're scaling nicely. Next step, 10 million in AR. We'll see what happens. Josh, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot, Nathan.